So Jerry is a grad student and uh, struggling with the pressure. And he found that just a glass of wine before he went to bed just settled him. That was good for him. And so he, uh, that was helpful to help him to sleep. But the anxiety got worse. And so went to daytime as well. A year later, he had to leave graduate school because it got too much for him. But he still had his friends. He still had the alcohol. Verna was hoping to go out with her husband, and he called and said he couldn't do it because of an emergency at work. And she wondered about that. She wondered if there really was an emergency. She called her friend, and her friend said, you know, that's the way men are. Men, uh, they're hunters, and when they get, get what they want, then they, then they quit pursuing, and he probably quit pursuing them. And so that became her friend, and she counseled with her friend day and night. Talked to her a lot, even more than she talked to her husband. Her husband wonders what's going on. And she found herself with a new friend who was helping her in a marriage that was going bad. Martin was an elder at his church, was doing well, was well-respected. One night, he gave in to a video porn, and he found that it was very pleasing to his flesh. And there was a sense of guilt, but there was more pleasure than guilt. And so he kind of found himself more and more. And he was a little ashamed of being an elder and doing this, but it was hard for him. It was very hard for him to to break that power in his life. So what are we talking about? We're talking about strongholds. Sooner or later, we all have them. Issues in our life that uh, break in on us. David spoke about a stronghold in a positive way. If you have a Bible, turn it to Psalm 18, where David is saying, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. What's a fortress? It's a stronghold. That's a positive sense of a stronghold, a refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies. Then he goes on in verse 6, says, in my distress, I. So finish the sentence. In my distress, I, dot, dot, dot. What might we do in our distress? I know a friend who would say, in my distress, I went to the refrigerator. Or in my distress, I got on a computer. Or in my distress, any others we want to complete with? I sleep. Okay, sleep could be a good place of refuge. It can, it, yeah. Okay. What did David do? In my distress, I called on the Lord. Hey, way to go. It worked for him. In my distress, I called on the Lord. I cried to God for my help. Look over at, John, at Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots 
and some in the horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. So some, in my distress, I got some chariots to help me deal with this uh, issue of this attacking army. So I'm going to read a couple of verses from 2 Corinthians 10. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to destroy strongholds. What are strongholds? Well, listen to it. We demolish arguments. Okay, there's something in the mind, arguments, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obey Christ. So a stronghold is a kind of thinking in our mind, a way of operating. And I'll tell you some things about a stronghold. First of all, a stronghold is a God substitute. It's something we'll choose instead of God. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. So what might I choose instead of God? Whatever I do, it becomes, at first, it's a safe place, but then it eventually becomes a prison that takes me out. A stronghold is a lie that I continue to believe. Whose domain is lying? Satan, Jesus said he's the liar and the father of lies. He's the inventor of lies. He birthed lies. So if we start believing a lie, what happens to our belt of truth? It falls off. And we find ourselves uh, uh, believing and walking in lies. And Satan is deceptive. It's a secret. It's something I don't want to talk about because I feel ashamed. I feel, I feel like a wimp because of this stronghold in my life. It's like it's taken over my life, and I can't do anything about it. And it's a secret, and I may not even know the secret. If we say we have no sin, we what? We deceive. So Satan is deceiving us, and we end up deceiving ourselves. A stronghold is a part of my identity. I am this one. I am the worry wart. I am the one who lost the child. I, and I identify. I am afraid. I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of people. I'm the fearful one. And so we take it on as an identity. And it's a habit pattern of thinking that sooner or later affects our behavior. As a man thinks in his heart, Proverbs says, so is he. So it's a way of thinking. When I was at seminary, I began thinking a certain way that brought a great deal of fear to me, and I couldn't break it. I couldn't, I couldn't overcome it. It was like a stronghold. What are some examples of strongholds? You think about it. I'll share some with you. What are, there are 40, 50, 100 of them. Perfectionism. I'll be okay if I can just do everything right. Anybody, anybody there? Anybody have a perfectionistic outlook? You know, it's okay to have an immaculate house. But if you're scoring points, if that's your way of scoring points, if that's your, your way of saying, 
look at me, I'm important, I'm good because I have an immaculate house. Well, that's a stronghold. Anger. People make me mad. And it's their fault. I'm, they make me mad. And sometimes they just have to raise my voice so I can be heard, so I can quiet things in the house. And I'm being controlled by this emotion that's got the best of me. Self-pity. No one understands me. You don't understand me. If you do, you're my friend. If you don't, you're my enemy. I'm a victim. I feel self-pity. I had a relative. You know what her stronghold was? It was strength. Sickness. Sickness can be a stronghold because that was her way, I think, of getting attention from people that she couldn't get, she didn't feel any other way. So that becomes a way of thinking and a way of operating and it's a stronghold that she thought was a safe place and it becomes a prison. Work. Work a 70-hour work week. I have value because I work hard. And you, you see the, the thoughts that go along with that. Religion. Boy, there's a good one. I have value because I'm devout. And God knows it. I'm special to God because I, I, am, uh, I show up all the time. Withdrawal, food, alcohol, rejection, depression, lying, fantasy, worry, materialism. Hey, the reason I wear four rings and a bracelet and a necklace is that I have value. No, the reason I do that is that I've lacked value and I've got value taken away from me and I want to show that I have value. And so it's a strange way of thinking that I want to prove that I do have value. And so I have to show that I've got some value. So what are some lies then that accompany this? See if you can think of some lies that go along with any of these strongholds. Because Satan needs for us to believe lies in order to hold us in this place. So what might be some of the lies maybe that you've heard? Here's one. You shouldn't be teaching Sunday school. You don't deserve to teach Sunday school. You're not that spiritual. Anybody ever heard that lie? Heard God say something about that that put you down because you're not at the level you should be at? You're not beautiful. You're ugly. You're dumb. That's a that's a common one. Yeah, you're not beautiful. God is angry with you for something you did as a child. <clears throat> Most people have three times the talent you have. There may be enough truth in it, so we might believe it. You know, there, there's, there may be some truth in a lie. God has abandoned you. You aren't appreciated that much. You're being neglected. Can't you see? Can't you? It's obvious. You're being neglected. You're not, you're not that special. God isn't hearing your prayers. 
If you just tried a little harder, you would be more worthy of his grace. Let's do it by the merit system instead of the mercy system. Satan would love that. If we feel we're scoring points, I showed up, God. Shouldn't I get two or three points for that? You don't fit in anywhere. Why try? There's no harm in it. It won't hurt you, at least not one time. So he gives us lies, and in our weakness, <coughs> we might find ourselves believing, sort of believing it. And if we believe it, then we lose the belt of truth and we put ourselves in a position where we're open to him taking it farther and building in our mind a framework that keeps God out and we're actually siding with the devil rather than with the Lord. Why does a stronghold imprison me? Because I get locked into a way of thinking. and We find it hard to, to break through that. And it often happens early in life for some of us. So we've been thinking that way a long time. So to break free becomes difficult for us. We can trust God in other areas, but in the area of our stronghold, it's pretty hard to trust him. Have you noticed that? When I was going through this, people would say, just have faith, Paul. That was a hammer. That was a, that was a blow because I knew I couldn't. And so for people to say, just have faith, was too hard for me. I couldn't. I knew I couldn't. And I did feel like a wimp. I thought, this is beyond me. I don't, and I didn't know what to do. So prayer is really hard. And demons often attach themselves to strongholds because they, they live with the lies of their chief military leader, Satan. And so they operate where their lies, they have freedom to gain access. Not only demons, but what else? Wounds. We get wounded because of how we're feeling, and that creates a a place for demons and also a place for me to, to feel neglected, to feel unworthy. That's why singing about the blood today was so wonderful because it do, I, I, can't get, I can't deal with it, but the blood of Christ deals with it. So what are some false attempts to break free? Resolution. I'm going to do it. I've got to do it. I'm going to do it. That works for about five minutes. This may sound strange to you, but prayer, prayer probably doesn't do it. Because prayer on an area of your stronghold is simply saying, telling God, well, you know he's not going to do it. That's for me. That's what it looks like. I couldn't do it by myself. I wish I... Uh, believe that I couldn't do it by myself, and prayer didn't unlock it. Extra effort. 
but often in areas other than the, the area of need. Criticism, I, if we feel badly enough, we want to criticize someone else to deflect it against ourselves. And so we want to make people look the other way because we feel like we're just, you know, we, we feel so uh, open to attack. So criticism. Self-punishment, because then maybe God won't punish me for my stupidity or my getting into this mess. And so God uh, doesn't have to because I'm punishing myself. Okay. Raise your hand if you identify with what I'm saying in one way or another, either now or in the past. You know, you've you got areas. Okay, we all do, don't we? We all, we all have areas where either now we're presently in this thought pattern that's hard to break, or we have been. So what's the way to deliverance? What can break us and bring us into the liberty? We sang about it this morning. Thank you for those good songs about the message of the cross, the message of the blood. First thing is identify. Did you want to say something? Okay, yeah. We're coming there. I, I identify the stronghold. And that's, that's not always easy. One way to get, to get at it is to finish this sentence. I'll be okay if, if I get some sleep, if I can have another drink, if I can withdraw. If nobody's around, if I can just be by myself. Okay. Go to church more. Be more religious. Be, pray more. Pray harder. Pray with more sincerity. Pray with more faith. What, what is it that I need to do? Identify what this stronghold is. And it, it, uh, it may be obvious to me or it may be beyond me because it started out as a friend, remember? This was a good thing at first, but then it became a, uh, an enemy. So identify the stronghold. What it is that I have been led to believe that has taken the place. Number two, I confess my attachment to the stronghold. At some point, I have to get real honest and say, okay, a friend called me two months ago, and he talked for an hour and 15 minutes, a good friend from high school, and he, he, his family knew that he was an alcoholic, but he didn't know it, and he kept lying, and he was the last one to find out. When he found out and dealt with it, he said, A rescued him, it became his safety net, and he said, Paul, I can't say enough good about what they did for me. He came to, I said, where, where did it go for you? He said, when I was able to acknowledge, I'm a slave. And I need to get help. You hear that? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sin, hard to get to that point sometimes. And that doesn't say confess to God. 
the context suggests that we confess to two things. It's easier to confess to God because he's not looking at us like a, like a friend right there. You mean you did what? That can be hard. But if I can acknowledge and confess that I am attached to this and I can't break free, that's a wonderful thing. Number three, I renounce the lie. I have to be able to say, this is a lie, and I don't want to believe it anymore. That religion really is helping me. That my working eight hours a week is really a positive thing. It's really a negative thing. <laughs> I, it's not helping me. It's not helping my family. It's not helping my kids. And so I have to come to that place where I just say, this is, this is wrong. I renounce. I like the baptismal confession that we make. I renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways. That's a good statement to make. Because we're coming against it, because we have to remove ourselves to get, get away from those lies so that we can come to a place of truth. I forgive others. Because most likely, where I have a stronghold, somebody has hurt me. And maybe multiple people. Because they didn't understand, and I took offense, and I shouldn't have, but I was too sensitive to others. And so people have hurt me, so I need to think through. Who do I need to forgive? Because if I don't, the Bible says that I stay in torment. I've got this unforgiveness, this bitterness, and it's like mold in the soul, and it's growing inside of me. And it's destroying me. So not only do I have a stronghold, but I got mold that I got to deal with in my heart. So I have to forgive the people that have hurt me related to this stronghold. And you that have them or you that think of somebody who has one now, you can understand that. There's been a lot of hurt that has uh, gone along with it. Number five, where, where are those things that I passed out? I affirm the And sometimes I have to do this just as a matter of fact, not feeling it. I did this at seminary. I had five statements that I made over and over again. I don't know how long, maybe for months. I'm a child of God, therefore I love myself. I got them from Agnes Sampson. Those who are in Christ are free, therefore I am free. Did I feel it? No. I had to say the truth until at some point it began to hold on to me and begin to lock in. Because I have said lies so much that uh, the truth doesn't hang. So now I have to get the truth just bedded, embedded in my heart. So I affirm the truth. And number six, I receive deliverance. Deliverance usually comes from someone else who prays in the strong name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I command every demonic power, every power of the enemy to leave, to leave now and to stay away. We pray that prayer usually for others. You can deliver yourself if you're, if you're up to it. But usually it takes someone coming in on your behalf and just breaking that thing loose from you. I remember 
I was, a, I was traveling, and a pastor asked me to pray for a young lady. When she told her story, just incredible brokenness and abuse. And it took a long time for her just to get to the place where she was willing to forgive them. She couldn't say the word. She couldn't say, I, she tried to. She could not say it. She wanted to. It took about 20 minutes to get her. Once she said, I forgive, it was like they were gone. They had, it, was, it was easy then to say a prayer because it, her countenance changed. Everything changed. When, when she got rid of that, ugh, it's like she threw it up. She vomited. And then a prayer of deliverance just to break that power of darkness on her life and bring her into liberty. It's a wonderful thing when that happens to us and we can do it with others. And then, finally, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I just invite the Holy Spirit to come in the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace, spirit of freedom to come in. So in the days ahead, if there are those who would like someone here, I'd be glad to, neighbor, combination of us, come and pray for any of you where there are strongholds. There's no shame. Just want you to know there's no shame. I dealt with in my own life and know the, know the sorrow of it, know the shame of it. We're not here to shame anybody. We're just here to tell you we want you to walk in freedom. Freedom from the lies that the enemy pours upon you. Any, any questions about what we're talking about here? Any comments? Any reflection? Then we'll just have a little time of prayer here together. Pardon? Sometimes strongholds can appear to be a good thing, and they can. I know that one of my few strongholds was believed to be in control, and so from the outside it could appear very organized and controlled. But that need to be in control, but also sometimes the the Lord being in control, leading us very hard to recognize that it's with somebody outside of the one who likes. You have to get around somebody doesn't like the way you are and you have to really choose to go to hear the truth and if you have to position yourself for deliverance if you stay in the mindset of hearing the others who are singing back to you the old chorus you'll never hear the truth you have to have the courage to go and hear somebody speak real truth and call you out on it and that <coughs> is a hard task because you might not even realize that what you were hearing was not a good thing and control is not just limited to teens or, or children. Control can have at any level. And I have to control. What might be something I'm out of control? Something is out of control, and I have to control. I'll control everything. I'll control this, this room. I'll, I'll keep it clean. I'll control this uh, environment at work. I'll control people. Whatever I can control. Because my life is not in control. That, that's the secret. identify, you're not just identifying it, but you're also naming it. Mm. And when it comes out of your mouth and you actually name it, that truth just ripples through that whole situation because now that's true. Mm -hmm. 
and you, you're sharing truth right in the cave, and now you've identified it. It's like okay, now what? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. We're so talking about that beautiful yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with what Dan said. And, and that's why I think it's so important to have somebody or other people in your life that you can talk about this with. Because part of the strength, and there's even a lot of the strength in a soldier, comes from the secrets being kept. The fact that nobody else knows or nobody else realizes or whatever, um, what, how far do you know that you're going to So when you can reveal truth to truth, it can really help. It can then help you maybe see the truth a little better even. Um, like you said to me this week, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to fight with you. Because sometimes you, you get discouraged. You're like, I want to fight this. And you do it. And then the next thing you're like, Yeah, I can. I can get. I told you about an elder. It wasn't an elder. It was a pastor. Pastor, when I was traveling in another country, he said to me, he said. I'm so ashamed of it. I go get videos, and when my wife is away for a period of time, I want to spread the love on And think of the shame that just poured over his soul. He was well-known, and he was loved by his people and the other pastors, but he was living a shame, such shame, that he was able to share. And that's the difficulty. So... We want you to know if you have to share something that we're ready to receive it, you know, without shame because we know our own struggles. We know our own difficulties. So we want you to be able, and it doesn't have to be one of us. It can be one of us as pastors. It can be someone else that you trust. Anything else you want to share? message of cheap grace is so prominent even in good Christian youth group of how much God loves and he loves and he loves and I do not at all discredit that but the huge step that is being missed is this opportunity to confess your sins to one another because if you go straight to the love of God and you miss the confession you miss the cross and that's where the deliverance comes. And so as we're dealing with some things from our kids and even the counsel they're hearing and even the words they're hearing in a youth group, a good place, and they're hearing, but I know God loves me. I may have blown it today, but God loves me. And the truth we don't hear. Now, I grew up in the, I a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee. And that had its own shaming aspect. But if we miss the opportunity to confess our sins to one another and before the Lord, he can't release his blood to forgive us. And so I think that somehow we have to learn how to bring a non-judgmental of the value of the person and yet a judgment that says God commands us to be holy because I'm holy. There's no no slicing this any other way. So he's going to love me, but out of my love for you, I'm commanding you. You have to stop what you're doing and be holy, and you have to confess this. And, walk it and and there's something going on here, and I think because Satan has been comfortable with us sending out this message of God's love, he's gotten us away from allowing people to come to the cross because they're in neglect and their opportunity to be forgiven. 
Right on. Well, let's do, let's do that. Let's uh, let's go. We we won't we won't do <coughs> deliverance right now, but we um, let's pray together. If you want to pray a prayer, you go ahead. Father, we lay this now before you and pray that you would cause it to have fruit in our midst among people that we know maybe who aren't here who need this you call us to freedom you call us to freedom in Christ and that's the way we want to live we want to pray for any God any among us who are who are living in fear and shame and want to come into the light the light can be uncomfortable it can expose things, but it can also bring us into places of freedom. There is power, power, wonder working in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder working in the precious blood of the Lamb. There's hope. I, I, I lost There is hope, hope, wonder working in the blood of the land. There is hope, hope, wonder working in the land of the land. 
I'll speak the, bl the blessing, the be I'm going to say the benediction, the blessing, put two and one here, and then if you want to, just take a minute or two, just to turn with someone next to you, and just take it home, take this home, seal it with the word, with a prayer. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord, look upon you with his favor. And look upon that ankle with his favor and bring healing to that ankle and give you all his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.